You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Thanks for joining us for this Viva podcast. Today, Dr. Ordonez will share some of his practical and outrageous ideas about how to cope with the coronavirus, from patient and staff safety to being incredibly generous with his supplies. Dr. Ordonez is a dentist who completed a fellowship at Tufts University in temporomandibular joint disorder, dental occlusion, and facial pain. Dr. Ordonez, it's a pleasure to have you on Dental Talk. It's good to be here, Phil. Tell us some of the things you're posting online recently about how your practice is coping with the new uh, coronavirus disease. Well, basically, um, in the middle of January, I was in Sri Lanka at the Asia-Pacific Congress, and I was following closely what was going on in China, in Wuhan, with the virus. Uh, One of the big reasons is also because my my son was supposed to go with the United Nations uh, group from his uh, high school to Beijing and uh, Shanghai. So we were actually following China very closely. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said to my wife, this is going to get bad and this is going to spread and it's going to make it here. So she looked at me as I was crazy. But at the same time, I have a, a friend, a, a colleague, uh, Dr. Raymond Kimsey, a very brilliant local uh, dentist, sleep dentist, uh, who sent me a text and he said, Alvaro, you better get masks because this is going to get really, really, really bad. This is SARS, he said to me. So I started, uh, I told my wife, order a supply of masks right away for uh, four months. So we went ahead and we ordered the masks. Then I got here and I started following again what was happening. And I said, make a grocery shopping now for two months. She went ahead and do it. And I started training right away my staff and we started changing the infection control protocols because as we were reading about the behavior of the virus, we saw that the infection control protocols would not really protect our practices. So that was a major concern, Phil. Mm-hmm. Boy, you were way ahead of the curve here, doctor. You were well-prepared and really saw it coming. Can you describe some of the non-conventional ideas you've had and how this has affected you and your practice? Well, the first thing I did, I took my whole staff, I put it together, and we started having daily meetings specifically to the problem. I explained to them what we knew about the virus at the time, and I said, we're going to have to exceed uh, the infection control measurements because we're going to be exposed to uh, aerosols that might airborne uh, this virus. So right away, I want you in charge of the door, the main door of the practice. Anybody touches the knobs, you spray. I want all the magazines outside. I want the remote controls. I don't want anything. I want you to space the people as they come in and they sit down. And anybody that sit down or anybody that stand up, you are spraying after them. We got a good supply of alcohol, disinfectants. Then in the way in, we did the same thing. We also decided that we were not going to have a lot of people in the waiting room. We were, we were going to try to shorten the spaces in between patients. Uh, we had one person in charge of spreading, sp- spraying each and every place. Uh, we have seven chairs, so we were making sure that we would escalate and change the different chairs that people were using. So we had enough extra time to clean after each and every one of the patients, making sure that they didn't have symptoms. If they did have symptoms, we we're going to take care of them, but we had to know. So we ordered respirators. We got two um, facial respirators and a full mask uh, respirator so, so the assistants would be protected and I would be protected. 
We didn't want to go ahead and get biological suits because we didn't want to scare the patient. But what we did was that we got raincoats, two pieces raincoats, and the jacket with adjustable hoodies, which is plastic. So it's a very solid membrane uh, because we, we needed layers. Because if we were getting all this on top of us, we needed to remove layers so we would make it home clean. Every time that we finish with a patient, we would change, spray the the membrane, the the raincoat, and put again the the disposable uh, gown. Also spray the 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 caps. We had three different barriers. So the first barrier was our our regular mask, the face mask that we use for everyday dentistry. On top of that, we would have the respirator. We would we would have goggles. Then we would have the face shield. And I utilized Dr. Kim's uh, headlamp, so I would also have the Dr. Kim, which surprisingly uh, uh, fit very well. It wasn't a problem because without magnification, I can really work. Regular magnification would kind of be on the way. So Dr. Kim headlamp was excellent for that. Where do you practice? In Miami, in South Miami. South Miami. And how bad is that as far as the infection rate in that area of the country? I think we are holding pretty well. The problem is the culture of the city. Miami is an extension of Latin America. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a major Latin uh, community, and uh, we tend to be very laid back and very relaxed in our behavior. So I was doing grocery shopping uh, an hour ago, and you still see people in the supermarkets without masks, without any kind of protection, talking to each other, and they don't even know each other. So I expect uh, this virus to spread even more because of that specific situation, the, the folklore of the people, people being too laid back for what is going on. When did you start implementing these very strict infection control guidelines? What, what period of time was it? First week of uh, February. First week of February, you were already doing this. Were you frightened? The patients weren't a little concerned when they saw all the protocol you were doing in your office? We did it slowly. We didn't, we didn't wake up in the morning and we were looking like astronauts. We were slowly, little by little, uh, again, talking to the staff every day. They thought that I was crazy. They really thought that I had lost my mind. I said, go now, buy before the lines start. And little by little, I started implementing it. So we were probably four weeks ahead of the, of the government in, in the decision-making process. I wish they would have closed the borders because then we would be clean. What's going on right now in your practice as far as volume? Are you seeing patients or just emergency patients? And what's going on with your colleagues in the area? The governor shut down uh, the practices in the state of Florida. We can only see emergencies. The uh, American Dental Association released a very clear uh, paper indicating the dental emergencies, what they are. And I believe it's a serious responsibility because we have to make decisions that may represent somebody living or dying in the sense that sometimes if we don't have the equipment, the right equipment, we shouldn't do it and we should send the patient to the hospital. But at the same time, it is our responsibility to decrease the load of the hospital because they are, they are over, overworked right now. So it's, it's a decision-making process. Now, President Trump announced today that he's hoping to get the economy back in gear by Easter. Do you see the dental offices resuming business as usual soon after that? Or do you think that there's going to be a lag where dentists are going to be really slow for a while? Let, let's put it this way. I believe the economy is going to pick up quickly. I don't see the disaster in the economy that most people are seeing. Uh, as, as long as doctors can get into protective barriers and cover themselves, 
dentistry should be able to continue uh, advancing uh, because they are going to be protected to the to the virus, but also we are not going to give the virus to the patient because we are basically into a shell. But also, if they keep the infection control, the escalated infection control measurements, the patient shouldn't get infected either. So, so I think we should get dentistry going as long as people respect very solid protocols in their practices. But I think it's going to take some time in the dental practices to go back to normal. Now, are you screening any patients based on tests that are available now for people to find out if they are positive to coronavirus? No, we don't have it. I have had patients that come here and show me the test results, which I actually appreciate because I have not asked them for that because if somebody comes here with coronavirus, I'm going to treat them. I'm going to provide the treatment. I'm going to make sure nobody is around, only my assistant, the, the second hand that I have uh, to pass the things and, and me. So we're basically three people, one cleaning, one assisting, and me doing the work. We feel totally protected. Uh, we are, we would not deny anybody care, emergency care, because that's our duty, and we have to hold uh, our position in the health care system and do our part. I, I feel bad that we cannot do more, you know? Sure. Uh, and I'm going to ask you about some of the things you're doing uh, as far as donating isopropyl alcohol and other things like that, which is really amazing. So have you seen positive cases as emergencies so far? I, I took care of a lady that she had the test done, that she was having some symptoms, and then she was very nice to send me the result of the test. So I treated her as positive, but she wasn't. She was negative. She was an older lady, close to 80 years old, alone, don't have anybody in her family. Her son is a physician in New York, and I, I, I she needed the care, and I had to give it to her because her son is putting himself in the line for the people in New York. So why would I deny care to a person like that, that is here by herself? No, absolutely. So you're not aware of any patients that you've seen that have tested positive for sure? No, no not so far. I cannot confirm that we have treated a positive patient now. I thought she was positive. She wasn't. Okay, very good. So you've recently given away 200 bottles of isopropyl alcohol to people in your community. Uh, this is amazing that you've been so generous at a time when many people are hoarding these supplies. Tell us about that. Uh, it was actually 600 bottles of uh, 16 ounces. That's 75 gallons. Um, I have a good friend that he's in the alcohol business. So he helped me to get uh, the alcohol and we ordered the alcohol. I bottled the alcohol myself and we gave it to the people. The South Miami police gave us help a few days ago. And we haven't had any problem people. Some people have been very thankful, some other people reacted in a weird way, like, 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 why, why, why the hell are you giving alcohol? I said, why not? Some of the people with an attitude said no. And, you know, we have all kinds of people in our community, but we've been giving it all over the place, everywhere. I'm, I don't have any more. I'm, I'm expecting another shipment. So how important do you feel that your positive attitude towards the community and your incredibly generous demeanor, how has that affected uh, your team, your, your, your dental staff? Well, I, I have a solid staff. Uh, these are beautiful people. Some of my employees have been with me more than a decade. Uh, basically, what we have done is not doing a, is not really making a difference in the possibility of somebody getting sick or not, but it's sending a positive message that we are here to stand behind each other. You know, like like in times like this, we have to keep the good deed change just running.
Right. No, this is it's incredible what you're doing, Doctor. Um, I, I would like to thank Plan Mecca for sponsoring this podcast and having you uh, schedule time with us. Uh, we're very happy that you came on the program. You're, you're a paradigm of, of generosity and goodwill and exactly what healthcare providers are here to do, which is to make people's lives more comfortable in an environment where there's a lot of stress and anxiety and people are very, very stressed out with the uncertainty. But I think, you know, as an optimist myself, I think that uh, we're getting closer uh, by the day to figuring out, you know, what's going on. And I, I think the hotspots of the country are going to suffer for a little bit, for sure, like New York, Washington, California, uh, Illinois is starting to get a little bit of a problem, and, and possibly Miami, I, I don't know. But um, let's hope that, you know, this thing takes its course rather quickly. Once it all calms down, we don't have a reemergence of this in the fall, which was typical of what happened in <clears throat> 1918. It got warm, subsided, and most of the problems occurred after the second emergence of, of the Spanish flu. And that's where all the havoc occurred. So let's hope that doesn't happen here, but I'm certain that you'll be prepared for that if it does. Phil, basically, uh, it's a matter of staying home. If people can stay home and they only leave to do what they have to do and they cover their face, if they protect themselves, and there's no excuse not to cover or protect because there are so many ways to make a mask. The, the last one that I just came up with was utilizing coffee filters. Mm -hmm. You can put together different layers of coffee filters, a stapler and rubber bands, and that's gonna really do it nice. Look at, look at this beautiful mask. Phil, one last message. Um, sure. I, I'm not a big fan of uh, seeing patients only with the N95 because of all the aerosols flying all over the place. Uh, have you seen those masks that Crazy has where the whole face is enclosed and there is a snorkel coming all the way back? Uh, if people use their N95 and on top of that, they put the mask, that will do it. But that should do it really, really, really nice. They are using it in Europe and in Spain. So what is this again? Explain to me the combination using an N95 mask plus or, or even a standard mask you know crazy the diving brand yes. yeah sure sure a crazy diving mask that was in fashion in the last two years right and mm -hmm. the whole head of the dentist is going to be there and the face and if they actually put the rain gear on top plus that plus the mask they are going to have very 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 good protection and that should do it well i went online yesterday and they are scarce but they are available on amazon and some of the diving supplies so okay. that should be nice. And the, and the name of the company again? Cressy. Cressy. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, listen, doctor, uh, thanks again so much. I hope you have you on another program. And this podcast, again, brought to you by Plan Mecca. It's available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. And of course, it's on VivaLearning.com and uh, any other uh, popular uh, podcast platform that you like to listen to your podcasts on. And again, great innovative stuff and resourceful stuff. We'll see you on another podcast soon. Thank you so much, doctor. Thank you.